Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And this is a quick message to tell you that you're watching episode one, and if you skipped episode zero, uh, we would encourage you to go back and listen, because we give some, some information on the evolution of the podcast uh, during season one, and some recommendation on consume, consuming our podcast. Yeah, so sorry for the interruption. Let's get back to the regular scheduled programming, and I hope you guys enjoy. Today on Roleplay Chat, we're going to talk about what inspires us when creating player characters. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. I am Matt, and this is my co-host Chris. As mentioned, today we're going to be talking about how we build player characters in role-playing games. Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, Fate Core System, you name it, it'll apply to all systems. But before we get into the details, I'd like to set the stage and really make sure that you guys know what we're going to be talking about. The first thing you need to know is that we're going to be talking about how to create a new player character. So kind of from scratch mm -hmm. or from the beginning of a campaign. Mm -hmm. This, however, doesn't mean that you can't take our insights and apply them to a character that you already have, because we believe that the process of character creation is ongoing. Yes, and uh, something else that's very important is it's going to be really story driven. So it kind of assumes that when you're doing your character creation, you're not just rolling stats and then using those stats as it is. It assumes you're working with, you can choose the story that you want to go with your character and then adjust the stats. So maybe you work on a system like Fate, where you basically choose where you spend your points. A lot of systems work like that. Or maybe in D&D, you work with a static array where you can put the highest skill, uh, the highest stat in the stat you want. Basically, you can put the highest role at the stat you want. This also means that today in our discussion, we're going to try to be as system agnostic as possible, as always. We're going to avoid talking about stats and talk more about story, story arcs, and motivations for your character that can be applied regardless of what system you're using. Yeah, and all those stuff you're talking about, story arc, motivation, we're only like looking at the surface of all these concepts. I mean, story arcs are complicated, uh, character creation is complicated. Uh, motivation is a big subject, so we're just grazing the surface and we'll go deeper into those in other RPCs, other roleplay chat. Absolutely. So to touch on player character creation, we're going to kind of take this in the two-pronged approach. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to put our hats of a player on and talk to you guys about what we do as players and how we have fun as players creating our own player characters. Yeah, and then we'll put our GM at on and have a, what do you do if you want to create characters for your players, but you're the GM or the DM? Uh, and what do you take into account? Well, what will we take into account when we, when, you, when we do that? And we do that quite often. So I think that gets it all out of the way. I think I'm ready, Chris. I'm ready, Matt. It's time to role, role play, play chat. chat. So, Matteo, what do you use as inspiration when you create a character for yourself? So when I'm a player and I'm, I'm trying to come up with um, an interesting player character to be, the first thing that usually comes to my mind is 
an interesting improv or acting challenge. By no mm. means am I an actor. No. <laughs> Not at all. But it's, it's fun to try to think of um, a shtick or some kind of personality quirk or accent that would be um, a challenge for me to play. Something that I can try to elaborate on and have fun with, really, when I'm at the table. So maybe that makes it a little less functional. But for me as a, as a player, it's, it's neat to have this quirk or this difference that I can work on. And then that kind of moves the story along, but also makes it fun and funny for, for everybody else at the table. So that's kind of one of my priorities. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. How about yourself? What's like your number one priority when you're well, creating a player character? In terms of priority, I... To me, like for you, it's more the fun factor of playing that character. Mm -hmm. I like to ask myself a question, uh, maybe something about myself, something I'm struggling with, uh, maybe someone I want to be more like. So for instance, maybe I want to be more joyful in life and optimistic, then I would play a character that has those values. And then I <laughs> I hope this would like instill itself like, yeah yeah i hope it's gonna have a positive effect on me on the long term and so that's one of the thing also uh in terms of um story arc and stuff like that i like to think on the long run where i want to be so often what i think is what's the best case scenario for my character what's the worst case scenario for my character what is he scared of mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. stuff like that to have both end and then aim somewhere maybe in the middle depending on what's gonna happen lately i've been thinking about that actually creating character that would be super joyful all the time and i'm really curious about playing that character right now so it's basically experimenting with my personality and like different uh, exploring different ways to see life so to me it's about empathy and if i can interject i really like that you say that um because when you're playing a player character as as a player it's it can be I really like that you say that, because when I'm playing a player character, sometimes the hardest thing to do for me is determining how the player character would react in a certain situation. If your player character is inspired by something within yourself, you can kind of already know what the answer is going to be. Mm -hmm. You just throw on a lens of how is this player character going to be joyful about something in your in your example? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it, it does add an element of um, natural instinct to your player character, which can be really nice because you can really dig deep and not worry about the smaller details. Yes, and that's that's part of it. It fuels your character, and also I think something very core is the motivation. So again, I would try to find a motivation that's aligned with my worldview maybe or but but that's different uh motivation that i can relate to without actually having in my real life mm -hmm. and that's the fantasy part of it that i really enjoy and my real life struggles or stuff like that are always great place to get inspirations if i have a bad day i'm like oh what, what went wrong maybe i can see if i, I can explore that subject a little bit more and I, and I feel like this affects the way you think. If you play it often enough uh, as that character, it might actually help you in real life. And that's actually research I've proven, I've shown that uh, that can be helpful to resolve personal issues.
I mean, that can be pretty intimidating. Yes. To to let yourself open to that kind of criticism or not criticism, I guess. But but really realism, realism, and to open yourself up to mm-hmm. the rest of the players at the table. Yeah. Um, but I think it does, like you're saying, give a lot of really cool advantages. It makes the role play potentially easier because you're playing a, a version of yourself, mm-hmm. and it allows you to dig deeper, uh, which is really cool. I, so I guess really what it boils down to, is when you're creating a player character, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but you're really asking yourself a, a fundamental philosophical question, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm trying to to ask myself a question that then I'll be able to relate to real life. And it's often philosophical and maybe a bit too deep for just role-playing <laughs> game. But I feel like if you could... I'm, I'm trying to get the most out of the experience. And I think that's that's the way I do it. So I, And I think from both perspectives, it's mm-hmm. very different. And at the beginning, we said, oh, it's obviously for fun, right? You create your character for fun. I'm having fun too, to be like obviously. Yeah, that's but if your, you're your fun, yeah, is doing that. If if your goal as a player is to have fun, and for you the fun is to make a quirky character that's gonna like have cool adventures, then I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's more the like deep social experiment stuff. Um, and there's obviously middle ground there. There's a bit of both, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree entirely that there's definitely a middle ground to be explored. And I think as a player character, when you're creating a player character, you should try to leave unanswered questions to further explore those things as you play the game. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that is extremely important. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going into your first game of a new campaign with a new character and you have all of your questions answered, I think you're doing yourself a disservice, quite honestly. And the game masters too. Because as a player, you want to leave gap for the game master's story to fill. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you might want to keep those questions unanswered. And when you see that it would help propel the story forward, then again, going with your motivation and personality and stuff like that, you can choose a direction that will make the story even better. Mm -hmm. I think we've been talking a lot about like in theory, but maybe we should give a couple of examples. For me, the a good example of um, this, like leaving a gap and filling it as we go along, uh, happened in the last sessions uh, with Diedrich. It, yeah, it did. Um, I'll let you ex- extrapolate on that. Sorry, <laughs> so what I'm talking about is uh, you, you have an aspect that's like, oh, I will do uh, what what my master will do, right? But we never met. We've never met your your master. Mm-hmm. So uh, at one point you're like, oh, I, I'd like to use that aspect. But you, it wasn't really well defined. So it was like, okay, well, talk to me about your master. And then you basically created, you're creating your master as the story goes. And maybe at one point we'll meet him. And then all this uh, gap that now you feel is really linked to your character. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that was a really ingenious part on yourself, actually, to to <laughs> almost force me to come up with these characteristics of my master as the story went on. And by doing that, not only did it link me to my master, but it created actual concrete moments 
within the game story where I'm linked to my master and the way my master would react to something is now linked to the story. And it creates this continuum that was really nice to see because not only do I know now have a better understanding of who Diedrich is, but I'm better linked to the story and I'm better linked to my master. Something that I really like doing when I'm creating a player character, and this is going to maybe make a lot of people cringe, but I don't like min-maxing my character statistics. It's always nice to have one or two skills or stats that you can rely on, absolutely, but it shouldn't be the end-all and be-all for when you're playing a character. Because the story progresses when you're making success, but it also progresses with your failures. And I know it's kind of a silly, holistic view to have, but you're going to have fun with drama in a certain situation, and you can't have good drama in a story environment without failure. So yeah. I think having a little bit of both, or, or do you have any opinions? Well, I totally agree with you that drama to me seems to like from my experience seems to actually ramp up a lot more with failure than with success mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think that's important and another thing that i want to say is like the mid maxing the like making your character as best as, like the, the greatest character it can be is relative to the story also it's relative to the game master and by that i mean that if your character if your game master is like combat 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 then sure min maxing will actually help succeed again maybe not with the drama or the fun but mm -hmm. it will help succeed at in fights but if uh, you have a game master that's really about story and like for me the combat is it's not 50 50 i'd say maybe a third maybe not even mm -hmm. so for me the skills that would be min maxing for another game master might actually not be a good thing for me so so using the books to try to make it optimal is probably not even going to help you that much. So it depends also on your your type of play. Yeah, your type of play and the game master definitely mm -hmm. are a big a big part of it. In the in the same vein uh, for me this the analogy I would make is if you always tr attempt to do things that your character is good at, it's not as fun as sometimes trying to like my guy is stupid, he'll still try to solve that puzzle or whatever with that test or my guy is really weak, he'll still try at the circus fair, he still tried to hit the big hammer. Like this is fun. Failure is fun, especially when it's not world ending. Mm -hmm. and, so you need to embrace it. And to add to that, Chris, I think it's inevitable that your player character is going to end up in a situation where they have to do something that they're not good at. The, the player might find themselves separated from the group. They might find themselves in a social interaction, trying to convince someone of something and your bard isn't there. And you're going to go for it. Yeah, you're gonna. You should go for it because it's fun, yeah. and you will most likely fail. And if you do, that's okay. But if you succeed, that's oh, good. it's epic. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm making my player characters, I also get inspiration from media. I know that sounds pretty straightforward, but I like to think about movies, TV shows, or books even. And I think of characters within that form of media and think of the archetype, the character archetype that's being portrayed in that media. And I ask myself if that's something that I've tried playing yet as a, as a player character. And if it isn't something that I've tried yet, 
maybe I can bring that into the story. And the reason I really like doing that as a player is because it basically tells all the other players and the game master the typical story arc that that archetype will follow. If you're playing the Han Solo rebel type character who has the redemption story arc, it becomes obvious to a certain degree and it creates an expectation for the game master and for the rest of the players. It also makes it easier for you because you don't have to think about what his story arc or her story arc might be. You just kind of coast. And if you really want to go off the trails, you can mess with people's expectations. Yeah, I think as, as the game master, my goal is to see what the archetype story would be and then just switch it up a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as a player, that's something that I have a lot of fun with as well. Mm -hmm. It makes the role play fun because it kind of gives me a direction to follow. But then it lets me kind of play with my fellow players' expectations and my game master's expectations to alter that archetype to go in a completely different path if I choose to do so. And if I don't, no one was the wiser and they think I'm just playing the archetype perfectly. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a... Win-win. Win-win, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Chris? Um, do you ever use archetypes as a player? Or, or usually when you're the game master? Um, I definitely use archetypes. Like, for instance, when we started our campaign right now, uh, because I didn't want people were coming from a system that's Dungeons & Dragons, that's class, so it's basically archetypes. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be too out of the trail. So I, I, I made characters that are pretty, like the, if you want, the cleric, the, the fighter, the barbarian, stuff like that, really D&D-ish. But when I do my character, I always try to kind of stay away from these because I feel like they've been made a lot, but they've been done a lot. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you haven't been playing for a long time, that's, that should be your go-to, I think. Uh, but when you try, when you want to experiment, maybe start with a twist on it. And so that's, that's what I, I do usually when I create my characters in terms of this uh, archetype aspect of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I wonder, Matteo, would you play a character that's really introspective like that about yourself? I, I have to say it, it was never something that I thought I wanted to do until I played in your campaign and you hmm. had me play a character that was a lot more fleshed out than what I'm used to. For me, as I was saying before, the fun is really in bringing a character to the table. I guess the downside to this and something that's always been bothering me as a player is that when I do this, when I have a character that's fun and fluffy, it's hard to have a lot of depth associated mm. to them. In part because I don't really know all of the different reactions that this character might have towards a given situation. And because of that, I tend to steer clear of big decision-making, heavy mm. emotional conflict within my player character. This being said, now that we're trying it and I've been playing a character who is a little bit more substance and a little less flavor, I am finding it fun. Yes, because last time we talked, uh, you weren't sure exactly how deep you wanted to go with the character. And I remember at the beginning when I gave it to you and you started playing it, 
you made it like really quirky uh-huh. and i found it really cool because that was an aspect that i didn't realize because when i created it it was like you said it was more deep and then you took it and added a layer of what you like mm-hmm. and i think it made a really interesting character and now you're experimenting with it so you're saying that right now you would you enjoy what what part exactly do you enjoy do you feel like you're answering question about yourself a little bit or well it's i wouldn't go that far i i don't think for me it's it's something that i find enjoyable when i'm playing a role-playing game Mm -hmm. i really want to completely disassociate myself from Mm -hmm. the real world i want to put myself in a situation where it's okay to have a certain opinion or to have a completely ridiculous opinion about something Mm -hmm. this being said I'm having more fun than I thought I would. I remember the first time when you introduced the character to me, I remember telling you, I don't want to have homework. Yeah. I, like those words verbatim. Yeah. I don't want to have to go home. I don't want to have to think about this character outside of when I'm mm-hmm. sitting down at the table. This is an escape for me. It, the character exists when I play and it dies when I don't play, right? For the most part. I mean, that doesn't mean that when I'm at the table, I'm not fully committed mm-hmm, no. because I am. Mm-hmm. But... I didn't want to have to go home and, and think about these things because, it, like you're saying, it was an escape. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have to say that there were moments when I told myself, oh, it would just be so nice to play a silly little bard who just comes in and sings and then I don't have to think about that. Mm-hmm. And I had a few moments like that where mm-hmm. I was this close to coming up to you and saying, you know what, Chris, I want to play like a lizard folk who just beat stuff (laughs) and that's it i don't want to think about more than that and you have a fun cool accent that a lizard folks might have maybe a really deep voice (laughs) and i'd let all of the more deep stuff come from the other players Mm -hmm. but i am i am happy that i'm that i'm doing this i think uh, a good example of that for those who watch critical role is scanlan in the first uh first campaign uh in a lot of the game, I think probably around 100 episodes, the, he was just a quirky guy who was just saying fun stuff, singing songs, and not a whole lot of backstories. backstory. And at one point, he explored his backstory and how this was just a front of everything that was going on inside. So I think you can have both, right? You can mm-hmm. have the moments where you can be quirky all the time, like most of the time, and sometimes be like, I actually have feelings. I mean, people are like that. Yeah. Right? So so I think that's still possible. And I think it's still possible for Diedrich, your character. It's still... So I think, it's again, it's it's balance. So I guess I'd like to flip the question to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you would have fun playing a character that was a little bit more unusual with an accent or a personality that maybe had a little less depth or at the very least was completely disassociated from problems or issues mm. that you wanted to explore within yourself? That's a good question. I never tried. <laughs> I would be, well, I tried. I tried in one shots. I think one shots for me, for me are a great space for that. You play once, you play twice, maybe that with that character. So those, there's no need to go really deep with his motivation or her motivation. And you just play the top layer of that character and, and that's all. So I think for that, it's optimal. But when I play in a campaign, I think even if I tried to keep it just really light, yeah, it might be difficult. When when we played with our friend Alex as a game master, 
um, I think everybody was kind of playing really top-layered characters, so not necessarily with a lot of backstory. Maybe I was wrong, but I, I felt that way anyway. Mm-hmm. And but at least it didn't really ever get to the point where we had to question some no, of those things. exactly. But my character had, like, I wrote a page of, like, how he left his family when there was an attack, then he was not sure if his mom is alive or not, then I had a secret brother, or I don't remember exactly what. <laughs> and me and Vincent, who's the other player we play often with, Vincent's all, all, also a bit like this. We had like, a, we linked our backstories and we made all these things, but at the end of the day, the game master has to basically mine that for story and bring it up. Well, not just the game master, it's the player's responsibility too, mm-hmm. responsibility too but uh, it never really came up, and I was disappointed. So I think it's, um, for me, it's an automatic. I, if I play more than probably five games, it's just going to come up anyway. So, okay. But but I like the challenge of the quirkiness that you're talking about. Yeah. And for me, it's still hard, and I'm, I'm basically challenging myself like this as a game master. And when I start a player, I'm like, okay, I have this way to talk that's really interesting. And some, sometimes halfway through a speech, maybe not a speech, but like 10 minutes in a, an interaction with a character, I forget. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh yeah, I need to start again. So so it's definitely a challenge for me, but I think I'm not as good as you are to like stick to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that comes with practice because it wasn't my focus. But I think that's something I'm working on and it's really interesting, but depthness will come automatically. So Yeah, yeah. So Chris, we spoke a lot about how we feel about player characters when we create them for ourselves as players. But I know for a fact that as a game master, we both often create player characters for our players Mm -hmm. and then kind of let them pick amongst them. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to pick your brain a little bit about what inspires you and what are the things you think about when you're a game master creating characters to give to your players. Yeah, I think that's a very good question because as a game master, first, I'd, I'd like to say that I think the best way to create a character would be with the player but sometimes you don't have the luxury of having the player you either you want to play a one shot and just get started real quick or with the campaign i didn't have this opportunity so i had to create the players and the characters in advance and one of my main concern uh was to represent the world because it was a brand new world it was Warhammer. Well, it's not brand new for me or the in general, but it was brand new for the players. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have characters that would represent the flavor, the danger, the uncertainty of magic and stuff like that directly at, from the start. Um, so that's what I did. So I wanted to have different flavors. One, one wizard, one priest, one dwarf to represent different cultures, different backgrounds, stuff like that. So it was important for me to have their character basically represent the world um, before we started. Mm-hmm. You kind of used it as this springboard, really, to showcase yes. what the options were. Mm-hmm. And I think you did a pretty good job at that. Mm-hmm. Um, were there other things that you took into consideration, like motivation, uh, teamwork, like other elements that... Yes, I, I think... Uh, now, if I would re- re- redo it again, it would be motivation to link everybody. Mm-hmm. I think my motivation was character to character. Uh, and I really dug deep in what was the background of the character to make sure that I would have content to mine 
in the future. It was really open. It would be one event that's uh, really important for that character's backstory. And I would go from there and leave a lot of gap for the player to, to, uh, to fill. And what I did, uh, I asked the players a bunch of questions. So they would have like the backstory and then they would have a bunch of questions that they would basically continue to define the backstory through. If you don't mind me asking, why did you go with that approach of creating this backstory and then having these questions for us to kind of fill in? What was your thinking? Uh, my thinking was basically what I said in terms of having the player there. The best scenario is having the player through all the process. So I, I wanted you to, one, have something to say about your character. Mm -hmm. And that way you feel more linked to it. Because I think that's the weakness of pre-generated characters is the players have it. And they're just like, well, that's my character. I didn't have really much to say in that. So I feel like having them fill in the question, they, they're like, oh, that's interesting. I'll, I'll go through that route. And these gaps that you get to fill that we talked before makes you more attached to that character. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I didn't have the time to go like create a character with each players. So that was kind of my compromise in terms of what I did and basically uh, passing the torch to the players. Uh, another thing that I took into account is who I was giving the pre-gen characters to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a bit, I think that's more specific to my campaign. Uh, something that I think you're doing yourself a disservice by saying, mm -hmm. You're calling them pre-generated characters, mm -hmm. but they were entirely created by you, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. These yeah. were these. This was a cast of characters that every single one was homemade. Mm -hmm. Inspiration from in your head, nowhere else. <laughs> well, um, probably somewhere else. So but maybe yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know what you like. It's not from a book that I just took a pre-gen. It was I fleshed out a character that I would be interested in basically mm -hmm. so that was i i had an idea oh, that'd be a cool character not necessarily the accent or anything obviously the way the characters portray the character uh, the way the players portray the character is up to them but to make it interesting a cool factor so i would create all of them and then i spend uh, some time to think who would have fun playing with that character so i had different seeds in each of them and I linked it to the player that because we're all friends we know each other and looking back on it I think I did a pretty good job linking the right character to the right player and I I think that'd be interesting to talk about and then maybe more detail in another episode when we in the campaign diary maybe yeah uh, or I could see it as an interesting spot to talk about when we start talking about player types as well mm -hmm. if that had any kind of important factor in your decision-making process for yeah. who to give what character that exactly created. so maybe you have an idea in mind if you have friends uh what character they would like to play so that's kind of the process i went through uh something that i think i'd like to spring on you we didn't talk about this beforehand um interesting but do you think that that approach could be replicated with a player group that you don't really know very well I think I would leave the choice. I would sp spread them out on the table and be like, give the, the, the gist of it and have the player pick. So I think other, otherwise you don't, you don't know. Why would you choose and impose a character on someone else? So I would mm -hmm. say don't do that. Uh, but there was something that you know that we haven't talked yet about, but there was one character that had a special 
um, backstory that basically I couldn't tell everybody and then have them choose because it was kind of a secret. And they all kind of have that a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you say like, oh, this guy is really cool, but he's actually a demon. Uh, it's like then someone, everybody knows, right? There's not the yeah. fun factor. Maybe that's not a great idea, but you know what I mean, right? So you have to keep cards uh, close to your chest in that, mm -hmm. that situation. And I, I had the luxury to do it because I knew my, my players. So how about you, Matteo? What do you focus on when you create characters for your players? So it's a little similar to what, what you're explaining. When I create characters for a player group, I try to keep in mind the things that they might like. Mm -hmm. But to me, the element that's the most important is group synergy. I, I think it's the one thing that I can no longer tolerate as a player mm -hmm. and as a game master is when the group doesn't have a real good reason to be working together. It doesn't mean that they have to be all a giant happy family, mm -hmm. because then you remove drama, which is bad. Mm -hmm. But I really, really get frustrated when, as a player or as a game master, there's situations where one player's motivations clearly go against the rest of the party's motivation. And I can't fault the players for wanting to do the things that their player character mm. should want to do. Mm -hmm. So I really try to create a group of player characters and really stress that that group of player characters works together to come up with a common, th common theme or a common motivator before they even embark on their adventure. And to me, that has kind of solved the problem. It's impossible to solve entirely. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing that I really think about is these motivations. How can I link the party together to create a synergy that's still fun, that still has drama, but when push comes to, push comes to shove, everyone's going to help each other and kind of push the story forward as a group so that no one feels left out or upset or betrayed by the motivations of their mm -hmm. own character. And to me, that's, that's extremely important. Yeah, and I think... I think I'd like to point out, like you said, oh, it's impossible to solve all the time because if you're able to do it, perfect. But what happens when the situation changes, mm -hmm. right? So you might need to come up with new stuff, especially we were talking about gaps that you let, like that you that you leave in your character creation. Someone fills it with something that's a bit in a position with the group. Like you might, it's something to always keep in mind and, and keep track of. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the I played a game with my brother as a game master for a couple of years, and two of the players were they started with a nice rivalry between the two of them, and it kind of ramped up and ramped up. And at one point, they were fighting each other sometimes. Uh, the start was to begin with; it was like for fun, but they they kept fighting. And at at one point, it was not fun for me. I was I think we were three players, so they were fighting, and I was just there. Okay. I tried to like interact with them and like, oh, I'm going to split you up, guys. and uh, But they wouldn't listen. So at one point, what's the fun? Mm -hmm. And that's especially for the other players. And the game master has spent hours planning something and you just spend an hour and a half just fighting each other or something like that. So it's good to have a difference of opinion in the character. It creates drama. Uh, it helps the story. But it, there, there needs to be like a, 
a cutoff of like we're not going past this. We're not fighting each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I entirely agree, and maybe it's an unpopular opinion, and I would encourage you to respectfully tell me so in the comments below if you have thoughts against what I'm what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. as a game master, I very very frequently have a story to tell, have an adventure planned, and as much fun as it might be to go off the trails of this adventure, it's also equally as fun to kind of follow it along. Hmm. And I think a really nice way to come to that consensus as a team is for the player characters to be just that, to Hmm. be a team. And by creating my own characters and then giving them to the players, with a lot of holes in it still, but with clear motivations and clear relationships defined between the players, I found that to be a pretty good way to solve problems, especially in a one-shot adventure. Uh, yeah. You want to start right away. Everybody's together. No uh, no time to chat at the tavern for 45 minutes about why you're there and who do you serve or whatever. You just mm-hmm. you know right away and you, you just go. And that's been something that I've been exploring quite a lot lately. Uh, I've been running quite a few one-shot adventures Mm -hmm. in what I've been setting as like a Thieves Guild environment, Mm -hmm. where all of the members that are on this mission have a clear mission that's told to them at the beginning of the adventure. They have this bond between each other because they're all members of the Thieves Guild, they're all going to protect each other, and that's very clear right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I allow the players to create their more personal relationships Mm -hmm. before we start playing. I give them 15 minutes, say, go for it, have fun, come up with why you're together, who wants to play what kind of archetype, so that everyone can complement each other well, so that you can go on this mission and succeed as a team. Mm -hmm. And I personally, as the game master, think that that works very well. Chris, you've played a few times in these adventures. Mm -hmm. Do you think that I'm being too straightforward or, or too uh imposing imposing i don't i don't think i it's too much imposing on your players to like start with a common goal and everything because we can start right away and i really liked how i know it's not really character creation-y but for one shot like that it kind of links to it. when you like you give us um time and you give us uh five or six items it's like split it the way you want and when you're thinking of, oh, I could be, uh, when we do a heist or something like that, uh, I remember the first time we played, I'm like, okay, let's go Ocean Eleven. What are the characters? There's the really agile guy, there's the charmer, there's the leader, there's the, I don't know, like um, the fighter or... Mm-hmm. so demolitions expert. Exactly. So so we would just pick a situation. And when you see, oh, there's uh, dynamite, like, oh, I'll take that and I'll, do, I'll base my character around it. So have something to link your character to, your character to is pretty cool too. So I guess I should also put in this caveat that I don't think I would do this exact formula of being very direct mm-hmm. about players, their motivations and their roles if I was doing a longer adventure, mm-hmm. but I think I would still try to inspire myself from that formula that I've been using. I, I haven't run a long campaign in about a year now. So it, it's always been these one-shots or smaller adventures. But I think it's really gotten to be this neat equation mm-hmm. where I give the players a pretty scripted 
motivation or pretty scripted relationship, but with enough flexibility for them to still make the character their own and add depth to their character. Mm -hmm. At the surface, I think that works very well. But Chris, I'm, I'm wondering if you see any holes in that approach, if I were to take it and apply it to a long-form campaign. I think it depends a lot on what is the one thing you impose on your character. If it's you're all part of that order and you want the order to succeed, I think that works well as we just start even the long-term campaign. There's a lot of room to grow. Let's say that your one motivation that you impose on people is you want to save that person and that person is um, a prince. Well, maybe the character, it goes against his, uh, he doesn't like royalty. And then it's like, oh, I, I wanted to do this. Now I'm, I can't. So it really depends on the motivation. And even that, that was kind of not that specific. Yeah, maybe yeah, we yeah, could yeah. find a, you know what I mean? Like it's, if it's too narrow and it doesn't leave places to grow, then that's more problematic. Awesome. I think one thing that links both of us it's like we've been talking about what does the gm do when he creates character for the players the other side of the coin is would you let other players create their own characters and honestly i think the answer is yes but there's also a little asterisk or caveat that we should add here mm -hmm. um, when we were speaking at the very beginning in our first discussion about us as players we spoke about the things that we wanted to do and i honestly would be a little bit upset if i didn't get to do the things that i thought were fun mm -hmm. and then if i put my skin of a game master on and say if i let the players do everything that they want to do i can't have as much control over the group synergy and and also the the lore the what universe you're in right mm-hmm mm-hmm so I, I think there's this middle ground, and we've kind of been alluding to it, mm -hmm. but I think personally the best thing that you can do is have this collaborative creation process. Mm -hmm. You did it a little bit where you had a prefabricated character that you created, you asked us questions, and we kind of worked on the character together. I think in a perfect world, the player and the game master would work completely collaboratively to ensure that all of the little checkboxes would be checked, would be checked off, mm -hmm. and everyone's happy. Everyone gets to do what they want to do. Yeah, I think that's that's comes back to what people call session zero, like the session you have before you even start to play. And to be honest, I think I, they would need more than one session. You would need a session zero with every player, if you unless you really want a perfect synergy. But if you want those little like hidden secrets, it's nice to have it separate with each player, and that way. They give you their ideas, and then you you adapt it to whatever your story, your background, your your world. So for me, for instance, if someone would come and be like, "I want to be an alien," I might be able to work. Okay, what what do you want? Like, what's what's the thing you like about being an alien? And maybe take that thing and put it in the Warhammer world that would makes more sense than having a random alien with mm -hmm. the laser gun or something, right? So. I think that's when you need to talk to your player before the game. All right, so I think that wraps it up. I'm really, really happy with the discussion we had today. I think we had interesting stuff in there. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, neat content. I mean, I could talk about this stuff 
forever, mm-hmm. but I guess we have to stop at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess to really look back on the things that we spoke of, what would you consider to be the main takeaways, Chris? I think, obviously, something that, something that we said was obvious is have fun, but I think it's deeper than that is know what your fun is. So if your fun is having a quirky character or if your fun is go in, in deep human condition, then go for it and make sure if you're if you're the GM, make sure that your players uh, have what they want also uh, through that experience. And I think honestly, to be able to have fun, the best way to achieve that is to work together with your game master. Mm-hmm. As a player, as a game master, sit together and don't do this in a vacuum. You really want to flesh out all of the details together so that both of your needs as a player and as a game master are met. So all in all, I think that sums up our view on player character creation, or at least grazes the surface of it. Yeah. We would love to hear what you guys think mm-hmm. about our opinions. And we have a question, actually, for you as well. That question being, when you're creating a player character, what drives your creation? Is it story-based, like us? Or are we completely in left field, and you would much rather just focus on stats and combat and min-maxing? I'd love to hear what you have to say. And if it's story-driven, what what's really important for you in the story? What's what's your fuel? Maybe an example of your character that'd be really interesting for us. Yeah, we for sure. were always looking forward to uh, hearing about new characters and new story and how it's always interesting. So obviously, you can contact us on social media. So you can contact us at Twitter. Our Twitter handle is RolePlayChat with underscores in between RolePlay and Chat. Or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoy the show. And let's call it a chat. <laughs>